Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm Travis. Hi, I'm Ashley. <laughs> you did it again. I did it again. I thought you were going to come up with something. <laughs> we were just talking like about how the intro is always the same. I mean, maybe consistency is better, but you know, we do the same thing. I'm a Travis, and then I'm like, hi, I'm Ashley. <laughs> like, just once, I'd like to, like, come up with something better. Well, you had me, like, delete it and start <laughs> over. So I thought there was something interesting coming. And then you just did the same thing again. On this special edition? No, no I've got nothing. <laughs> Clearly, I'm going to have to think about it Your more. host with the most, Ashley. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, <laughs> uh, so... This week, we're talking about The Burning from 1981. That's right, Jim. <laughs> this is typically where you, like, jump in. No, I was, I was letting stuff, you have it. Some info. Like, you're the, you're the one with all the talent. You're the one oh, with the good right. voice. You, like, you told me I'm the like, boring fat guy. The, the fact that fact. I... Fact. I just said fat. Yeah, the fact I'm that the boring I do fat guy. all the promotion and the social media and the editing now, like, clearly, or voice trumps all of it. Oh, yeah, well... <laughs> I think not only I, but a couple of our listeners would agree. So, moving on. This movie stars Brian Matthews, who plays Todd. Leah Ayers plays Michelle. Brian Backer plays Alfred. Larry Joshua, Mr. Now He's Getting Away With My Money, plays Glazer. <laughs> and I had no idea that was him. I didn't either until you told me. The, I was like, what? The uh, wrestling promoter in the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Yeah, I missed the part where that's my problem. Jason Alexander plays Dave, and I want to say this was his film debut, debut, like his first film. And of course, people know him from Seinfeld, which I've never watched. Not even one episode. I'm I've like, not even seen one episode of I'm Seinfeld. I'm zoning out right now. I'm sorry, because I had, like, I had in my mind I was going to sit here and be like, Mr. George Costanza himself. And I just completely just got lost, didn't listen to you. <laughs> I, it's the voice. I thought... <laughs> I thought George Costanza was the tall, weird guy. No, that's uh, Kramer. Oh, okay. Yeah, never seen Seinfeld. Anyway, moving on. Ned Eisenberg plays Eddie. Carrot Glenn plays Sally. Carolyn Houlihan plays Karen. Fisher Stevens plays Woodstock. Now, the only thing I know him from is Short Circuit. Short Circuit and Hackers. I never watched that. Yeah. Um, Lou David plays Cropsey. And... Yeah, uh, there's other people. Holly Hunter was in this movie, mm-hmm. and I think this was one of her first films as well. She plays Sophie. Yeah, so. and you brought up Leah. How do you say her last name? Ayers. 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 I, think. Um, I know her from greatest movie ever made, Bloodsport. This is yes. Like yes. At, at any point, I might start busting out into the Kumite song. You'll have to like probably hold me down to keep me from doing that. I'll just walk away until it's over. <laughs> Like, knock three times when you're done, and I'll come back God, in. God, when am I going to get to review that movie? When you stop being such a stickler about it has to be a horror movie. <laughs> you know I'm down for action movies. Are you and my sister getting together and talking now? No. <laughs> so, this movie was directed by Tony Malum or Milam. I think it's Malum. Let's go with that one. <laughs> it's the only time I'm going to say it, so let's just go with that one. And it was written by Harvey Weinstein, Tony Milam, and Brad Gray. Now, we talked about this before because I know that there are a lot of content creators out there that said we're not going to do anything that has a Weinstein stamp on it at all. And I completely agree with that. However, by not covering that, we're also, we would also be taking away from the performances and the work that the hundreds of other people involved in those films put into it. So I feel like you're kind of cheating all those other people because one or two people did a horrible thing. 
I think we've decided that this might be a good topic for this month's Pillow Talk as well, because this is something not just from this film, but I, I feel like the slasher genre at large has a stigma over it, just because a lot of these tropes occur throughout the board. And are we going to pretend this one doesn't exist because of one person when the majority out there basically use the same tropes as this one does? Yeah. I guess that's my problem. Yeah. And that's true. We can can cover that. But that being said, we're not going to glorify this pig. No. And I think what you and I had discussed before is that we're absolutely not condoning his behavior or approving of anything that he or, uh, well, the two of them did, because I guess they were both involved. But um, it feels wrong not to give everyone else that was involved with this film their due. Exactly. I mean, you can't. I get it that they're canceled, but you shouldn't cancel the other, everyone else associated with the film that had nothing to do with what they did. Right. So anyway, that's my two cents. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. And that, I think that's really about it. Other than the effects in this movie were done by the wonderful, the amazing Spider, oh no, uh, Tom Savini. <laughs> I, I swear, if you found a highlight reel that was nothing but Tom Savini kills throughout. And I'm sure they exist. I could probably find one on YouTube, I bet. This has to be front and center. I would say this and Friday the 13th Part 4 are probably right up there in his greatest work ever done. That being said, I think I may have brought it up in Friday the 13th last week or the week before that. Sorry. You can you can see some of the gags now. You can see how they're set up and they don't hold up as well. But I maintain that he's still the greatest because nobody was doing what he was doing. Yeah. And the effects evolved a lot between the first Friday the 13th and this movie. Because he actually turned down Friday the 13th Part 2 to do this one. And you can he, he definitely improved from that first movie to this one. Yeah, there's just there's still a couple I'm, of iffy things. And, and I'm, I'm, that's just nitpicky. Yeah, I'm not saying that there you can't still see it, um, but it's better. Much mm-hmm. better than it was in the first. So. I, I feel like he was on full display in this film. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I don't know, when we when we get into it, when we talk, we'll talk about the practical effects. But this has got some of the, it's got some really good stuff in it. Like, so. if you guys are here and you like this movie, you guys all know that Travis and I are pretty much talking about one infamous scene that pretty much makes this movie. Yeah, it's pretty And good. I don't know that without it, it would have gone on to live the way that it has. Yeah. I agree. So, um, before we give the spoiler warning, just real quick, this movie has a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb and 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. I would have never guessed. I wouldn't have either. Would not have even imagined that it would be that high. Honestly, I figured it would be in the 50s or 60s. So Or lower. Yeah. But there are people out there that clearly love this film. So, what say we do a spoiler warning and get into it? All right. This is your obligatory spoiler warning. At Dead and Married, we talk about major plot points that might ruin films for the casual viewer. If you don't mind spoilers, join us now. So this was your first time seeing this film, wasn't it? This, yes. Well, no. Yes and no. This was my first time staying awake through the whole thing. Because it's, <laughs> it's an hour and a half long. Oh my gosh, longest movie ever. It is a long movie <laughs> for me. I do better when they fall around the like the 
85 minute mark. That's 80 minutes. short. Well, it's, it's to technically that's only 10 minutes shorter than this one, but 10 minutes. <laughs> it's I don't considered know. short. I think though, the if reason. It's 80 minutes. Oh, yeah. I think the reason this one feels so long is because it takes them so long to get to the first kill. Like, there's, there's a lot of setup and a lot of character stuff in there. And while most of the. I'm not even going to say that. I almost, I almost said most of the characters are likable, but the, the more we talk about this, the more unlikable some of them are. So. Well, I just remember I was sitting and when I was doing research on this and watching some of the footage, you looked at it and you were like, oh my God, like that's amazing. And you're like, I think I'm going to like this movie. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, and I still I still do like components of it, but it feels like the intro is really long. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even, I mean, we'll just, we'll just go ahead and talk about the opening to this movie. Very much a Friday the 13th setup here, right? Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're at Camp Blackfoot. It's nighttime and they go into this cabin and these kids are, are plotting on a prank against yeah. Cropsey, mm-hmm. who's the, the caretaker. We don't know what this prank entails, mm-hmm. just that they need matches for it and they all hate him, but it's like he was following them around. Well, or they <laughs> unless said, you're said reading. That he beat a kid up. Yeah, but... I was going to say, unless you're reading the subtitles, you almost can't really understand what they're saying because it's very quiet and hush hush and stuff but this this was a I guess this is going to be an ultimate complaint. This is another one where I feel like the characters are extremely thin. I feel like had they have done a better setup for why these kids would prank Cropsy, that might have worked better. Like, let's see some of that footage where the guy is a giant asshole and is maybe an alcoholic and beating up the kids. Because they did say later that he was an alcoholic. Right, right. Put away a couple of bottles of whiskey in a day. If he's drinking two bottles of whiskey a day... Then he is not beating up anybody. He's right. barely, barely on his feet at that point. And but. if you look in his room that he's sleeping in, there's alcohol all over the place. Right. So why why couldn't we have built on that at least? Get the setup as to why these kids would go to these links. And ultimately, they they didn't know this was going to happen. I get it. No, they didn't. But, but it I... just felt it just felt so rushed. That part of it felt rushed. What what they gave us felt like such a weak excuse for them to do what they were doing that. I needed more there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Show us him being the asshole that they claim that he's he is. I don't know. I feel like they didn't give us a reason for us to root for their success in that moment. And obviously later you don't want to root for their success, but here like you don't it doesn't feel justified. It almost feels like it's them picking on the caretaker. Yes, exactly. It's a bunch of spoiled brats that are ganging up to pick on this guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, I set up. It was a thin premise. Yeah, I feel like it could have been set up a lot better to make those characters more sympathetic. I absolutely agree. But this prank goes way wrong. Yeah. And where did they get a skull? I don't know. Where did they get Jason Voorhees' mama's head? <laughs> With like earthworms in the eye sockets. And I clearly after Alice was murdered in Friday the thirteenth part two, they snuck into her apartment and took the head out of her refrigerator. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean there was a there was a, a year between. They could have done that. <laughs> there there's time. But no, my my question was, okay, first, they startle him to the point that he wakes up, he sees the head, there's fire in the eye sockets and earthworms crawling throughout and his first moment of brilliance is i'm gonna knock this head over onto me yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna rake this burning thing over onto the bed (laughs) but remember two bottles of whiskey you make bad choices You make bad choices. Yeah. And then, of course, again, talking about the things in his room, he had like oxygen in there. He no, had no, gasoline no. He in there. He didn't have oxygen in there, but he did have a couple gas cans. Yeah. One of which he promptly knocks over into the fire. Yeah. And 
this was the first part that I um, I almost really just cracked up is because, again, safety first, obviously. The guy had to be in a flame suit or something. He had a magnificent burn suit, didn't he? (laughs) Helmet and everything on full display. The flames did not engulf engulf him enough that you couldn't tell that he's wearing like this giant helmet. It looks like a motorcycle helmet almost. Yeah, I get that they wanted to protect the guy's face from the flames, but it's, it's so obvious. <laughs> There's like a suit and gloves and everything. Yeah, he's wearing like Michael Myers overalls and <laughs> Yeah. It's... It looks like one of Danger Aaron's uniforms. <laughs> Absolutely. Good call. It makes me wonder, though, like maybe when these fire effects, when they first started doing it, they're like, oh, it's too much. You can still see it. So they they toned it down and you can still see it and you can still see it Mm -hmm. until Kane Hodder gets literally set on fire. Right. Like if they just kept reducing the equipment to make it look more realistic until an accident like that happened. Right. But like this dude, you could see the burn gel on him on like on the back. At one point he turns and you could see where they'd slathered him in that stuff that's supposed to keep it from like setting their clothes on fire. It wasn't the best (laughs) burn that I've ever seen, but the kids do nothing they do nothing to try to help him at all they didn't help him try to help him get out of the house they run off when he falls in the water i mean at this point i don't care about these guys right and this is also based on an actual urban legend of cropsy and i didn't know that apparently it's all over like the northeastern part of the united states yeah i believe um i could be wrong in this but i believe that's where friday the 13th originated so that was what what that is my understanding of it. I'm not sure if that's correct. But same thing. These kids set a camp handyman or caretaker on fire. Um, he goes and he douses himself with water in the lake and then shows up later to avenge that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's basically the setup. Yeah. Except for the the guy, the orderly. Do we want to talk about the orderly <laughs> in the hospital? Is that dude? He that guy was. Just I gotta the worst. say, before we really get into the meat of this story, the beginning feels very tonally weird. Like I don't know if this is an issue with the editing or the pacing. Um, I th- something I found interesting is that Jack Shoulder acted as the editor for this film, and for us aficionados out there, we know that Jack Shoulder is the director of the infamous Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, The Hidden. Um, I also he directed one of the episodes of Tales from the crypt that is terrifying to me called fitting punishment and i i believe i heard that once that he had started off in editing i i don't want to fault the guy this was obviously early in his career but i just felt like the beginning felt very off because you have you start with that camp setting but then you take it out to the city to this hospital and then for a little while it almost feels like a giallo movie it's very odd because um and we'll get there in just a second but yeah there there's parts of this that felt very italian and don't get me wrong, it, it's great what they did in that spot. But then after that's all over, then we go back to the camp setting. So it just feels all over the place. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I guess he spent five years in the hospital and then they let him out. And so he leaves in his full dark man gear. That's what that's what I thought of when when I saw that. It's, oh, it's, it's dark man. Mm-hmm. Any minute, Liam Neeson's going to pop up and... <laughs> Oh, wait, no, wrong movie. Um, but no, you were talking about the orderly when we get to the hospital. <laughs> I don't, I don't he know. He was this, terrible, wasn't this he? This was so bad. Like, he's such an asshole. And he's like, hey, come look at this burned up dude. He looks like a crispy chicken nugget. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Uh, Big Mac. But I still love An myself. overcooked Big Mac. Yeah. Yeah, he was just, he is cooked. He's fucked up. He's a freak. And you got to see this. You got to see this. And he's doing this all to, to just to fuck with. I, he's supposed to be like a brand new doctor. Yeah. But he looks like he is, he's in his mid-50s. Or so, an intern or something. Like, how much time did he spend in medical school? <laughs> 
See, he was there a while. But no, and then uh, he takes him over, I guess, to the bed that Cropsy is yeah, in. Yeah, like an oxygen tent type of thing. And I, I do have to say that there, this part, this first jump scare where Cropsy's arm uh, flies out, the burn makeup is tremendous. It's so fucking good. That was the first thing that I went, ah, ooh. It looked very moist. And I didn't get somehow moist. crispy and it was just nasty. <laughs> I was yeah. just thinking dry and crispy. I didn't. No, no, that's not what I got from it. But I think you just like to use the word moist. It, I do because it makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> no, Savini did himself on those burn effects, though. They're so good. Well, yeah. not the mask, but on that arm, he did great. <laughs> But no, and then, yeah, like you said, we get to this five years later thing. They're wheeling Cropsy out in a wheelchair. And for me, this is where the the jello thing seems to start is because you get these voiceovers of basically all the things that his doctors and therapists and everything have been telling him, like, like I know you're angry, but please don't hold this against the children. Can't hurt the children. Like, got, got yeah, to save the children. Got to let go of your rage and hate. Yeah. So the first thing he were, does were is Were they go, talking to Michael Myers? You know what? <laughs> was one of those Dr. Loomis and we just... The rage, him. Michael! The rage! But, yeah, and so the first thing he does is go murder up. He picks up his sex worker and um, I don't know how she didn't see him because, I mean, yes, it's nighttime, but they would have to go through a lit apartment building. So, right. So when she goes into the apartment, she turns the lights on. Yeah. He walks in. She looks at the guy and he turns the lights off and she just comments like, oh, you want to do it with the lights off? Yeah. But it's not until he gets up close and what is it like a lamp or something? And yeah. then she's like, oh shit, he's all fucked up. I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. But this, this to me is where this really felt like some Argento type stuff or he goes over and of course he's got gloved hands and a knife and he goes over and the color use here, like her skin is very pale and then he stabs her with the knife in the gut and he's twisting it as he's stabbing her. And then you just have this bright, the brightest blood shooting out. And they linger on the stab, but isn't they that do. a jello thing? That they kind of linger on the the wound or the knife or whatever they spend time there. Isn't that isn't that a thing that they, I'm not a, a huge Jello person, so I don't know. You're gonna have to tell me. I'm still learning that myself, so I'm not exactly an expert either. But what what I have seen it this watching this scene was enough that I felt that vibe from it. You know, you just take a woman victim and then you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it felt like. But, you know, probably Travis at Podmortem could tell us more about that. Probably Travis at Podmortem is cringing <laughs> when he when he listens to Probably this. just, I don't know these people. Stop, like, keep my name. <laughs> but, too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> but after he murders this lady, then we go back to our camp setting. And officially, this is kind of where the movie starts. Really starts? I mean, was what we just went through, would that qualify as a cold open? Even though there was a attempted murder involved? I don't know. It feels too long to be a cold open, but I don't know what constitutes I don't know that. any of that. So Well, because if you're talking about something like the Friday the 13th remake, something like that, their cold open lasted 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, yeah. before you got into the proper opening. So I don't know what really constitutes that. So I'm not sure it's a yeah. good question. It just, it just feels like a really long intro to me. What did you think about the opening overall? Uh, pretty much, like I said before, I feel like tonally it's all over the place. Um, I feel like it's not a great setup, pretty thin. The effects are good. What are there? I think some of the cinematography, like I said, the 
the giallo type stuff is really cool. I enjoyed seeing that. If this film had maintained that aesthetic, that would have been cool because this is not the first time, especially in something like the Friday the 13th series where we don't see that aesthetic brought up. There are kills in Friday the 13th part two that are ripped straight out of a bay of blood. So with Jallo, don't they normally take place in a in the city, in a house, in a building? Not Aren't always. Aren't they typically in a city? Not always. No? Because I agree, it would have been interesting to see that aesthetic brought into the camp setting. It would have made it, made it a total, it would have set it apart for sure yeah. from all the other slashers out there. So what's your first reaction to the movie now that we've covered sort of the opening <sighs> and the setup? So what's as, your gut tell you? As of today, this was my third time to see this film. And the first time I watched it and just again not staying on this too long, the very first time I watched it, I had no clue that the wine scenes had anything to do with it at all. Second time knowing it, I wish I wasn't this person, I really do. It felt differently this time. There were there were components about it that made me uncomfortable just knowing who made it. That being said, I cannot, I can't remove myself out of that thing of, okay, but every other slasher has these same tropes, the exact same ones. So I, I wish I could go back and watch this movie without that knowledge. I, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to disagree with you there for a little bit, just okay. a little bit, because this was my first time to really watch it and pay attention. Well, this is my first time to watch it and not fall asleep because I think the other two times you watched it, I was in there too. Well, the um, first time was when I was a young, much younger okay, person. So for the second viewing, I, I slept through it. But watching it this time and listening to the dialogue, there's a problem with the writing in this movie. Oh, yeah. There's no disputing that. And we, well, I mean, I guess we can include this as part of a first reaction. I would say that in this, the way this film is written, that it makes antagonists out of the victims and excuses the antagonist actions. Yes. A lot. Specifically yes. how it relates to the way men treat women in this movie mm-hmm. and the consequences for what they do to these girls, which is exactly zero. Right. Um, and, you know, the good first example of that is in the intro, prank or no prank, at the end of the day, these boys, like, that's a 10 involuntary manslaughter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened to them. All they did was get kicked out of camp? Yeah, they got kicked out of camp. That's all that happened to them. And then we go through this movie from a writing standpoint, just really kind of shitty behavior from a lot of these guys, and it gets played off or excused. And I don't know, I feel like I feel like clearly this was a man writing a woman's reaction to those situations. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like where the guy does something shady and she gets mad. And then 30 seconds later, she's like, oh, it's okay. I'll go back. That's not real life. <laughs> like, uh... I don't think. I feel like it had a woman written this movie, it would have been a lot different. Maybe, but I uh, will get into it. But no, I was just thinking that a movie that I watched here recently, a, a movie that I love, I've watched it ever since I was a teenager, is a movie called Sleepers with uh, Robert De Niro, Brad Pitt. And it was basically the same thing, how these boys were just doing something for fun and they didn't realize what their actions were going to affect and they they involuntarily killed somebody and regardless of whether it was an accident or not they were just having fun they never meant for it to happen those boys went 
they got prosecuted. And yeah, they didn't go to prison. They went to a boy's home and suffered atrocities, but they got in trouble. And it just didn't make any sense to me that these boys would murder somebody and voluntary or not and suffer no consequences for it. Well, you're just going to get to go home now. Like that, that well, made no sense to me. Technically, they didn't murder someone because clearly he survived and got medical care. Oh, well, yeah. Sorry. But it, could still <laughs> My be, bad. it still could be considered attempted murder. I mean, it was definitely premeditated. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even though they didn't intend to kill, that's just saying like may, maybe some form of manslaughter. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I totally agree. They just got kind of, we're going to slap you on the hand and send you home to your parents. I mean, there should have been consequences for it. Seems like it. So I guess uh, I don't, I don't want to say that it tainted it for me first time I saw it. First time I saw it, I was like, this is really fucking cool. And there are still things I fucking love about this film. Um, and I know a lot of people love this film. Oddly enough, you talking about it having an 80% score, this is not one that we found a lot of information on. It's not even reviewed that much. I Well, I have a theory about that that I shared with you, but I'll keep it to myself at this point in time. Right. Okay. I, I know what that means, but they're going to get aggravated because you're not sharing it. I am not going to share. <laughs> I don't share my peanut M&Ms <laughs> and I will not share this opinion. Especially the blue ones, because you have to eat the blue ones last. Does anybody else do that? Do you separate your M&Ms and eat them in order by color? I believe this is a pillow talk topic, dear. This is important. <laughs> because I do that, our daughter does that, and you are the only person in this house that thinks it's weird. Because all M&Ms taste the same no matter what shade they you are. You are so wrong. They're not flavored. No, wrong. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so my first impression of this movie... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not letting this go. This is going to come back on pillow talk. We're going to have a whole pillow talk about M&Ms. Anyway. So, so what uh, What I mean to say is a long-winded version of saying this film is a mixed bag for me. Ditto. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> um, I would actually have to say that I somehow like and dislike this movie at the same time. It's got awesome effects in it, I think, um, especially for the time period. And again, I, th I know we've said this before, but when you talk about effects specifically practical effects, you have to take the era that they were made in into account. Because yes. clearly those processes and materials have improved over time. And at, at this point, they were doing the best they could with the materials that they had. And I feel like Tom Savini utilized those to great effect. I'd still rather take this shit over CG any fucking day of the week. Agreed. I also think that there, well, I can't say that cinematography overall was good. I will say that it was better than Sleepaway Camp. Because they actually did know how to move the camera around. They did some neat shots in this There's film. There's one shot in particular that we'll talk about, the raft scene. Uh-huh. That's... God this damn, is it's gonna good. Be bad. That's a beautiful shot. It is. Uh, I don't know how many takes it took him to get there. Apparently, the director finally said, fuck it, if you want it done right, I got to do it myself. Yeah. And he's the one holding the, the shears. That's a great shot. It is. It's amazing. The rest of the movie? Eh. There's one kill where I thought that the camera work executed and it was pretty fucking cool, too. Yeah, but I just feel like the cinematography throughout was sort of hit or miss. It was either really good or it was just sort of meh. Um, it wasn't good consistently. But I, so there are elements of the, to this movie that I love. There are elements to this movie that I really don't care for at all. I don't like the way it's written necessarily. The male-female interactions. I don't like how they made a creeper the final boy because he did not deserve to survive it. I don't know how that sounds, but he just, he was kind of a little shit. And I would have picked any of the girls probably that died to survive over him. Um, which, having said that, this is one of the only movies where you have a final boy, right? It, There's not a ton of horror movies where a it's ton. a guy at the end. Yeah. I um, mean, really only, 
I mean, I know that there's more, but just at right at the second, Ash comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, but that's Ash. Yeah, I'm just saying where it's not common to have male heroes no. in our films. And I didn't care for the ending of this movie. And I, I don't know if we want to talk about that separately, but you know, you've got. I don't feel like the two people that make it to the end should have. Mm-hmm. That that's how I feel about it. So it's it's good and bad. I guess my first take would be meh. <laughs> like that's my yeah that's sort of my first reaction is that i feel like people should watch it they need to watch it understanding that it has content that is going to be objectionable i feel like it's worth at least one watch i wouldn't jump up and say this movie's so great you have to go buy it or anything i like would that. say if you're a tom savini fan it's required viewing right just bear in mind that there are things that will make you uncomfortable make your butt pucker a little bit yeah but most of it surrounds the writing in my opinion, mm-hmm. in the dialogue. It's well, got, there are some shots that I... It's got I, some pretty... Un, it does have some uncomfortable shots. Yeah. But, but no, I think that's my first first reaction is that I wasn't completely sure how to react to it. Do I like it? Do I not like it? You know, but anyway. So why don't we go ahead and move on to those characters? Yes. Let's <laughs> talk about those characters. So almost every review that I have seen, and like I said, there's not many. One common thing that people are saying is that they really enjoyed the characters. I am inclined to disagree and hear me out on this. As far as characters being likable or unlikable, I will say that they are more likable in this film than say the characters in Friday the 13th that have far less to do. You don't really know anything about them. There's a good camaraderie between these characters especially somebody like Jason Alexander, where the humor seems so organic. Like you knew this guy was going to go on to do stuff because he just has such an easy laid back way about him. And he's charismatic and funny. And so I I get it. I, I think Travis disagrees with me on that one. Fisher Stevens or Woodstock, um, I found was another likable character. I didn't recognize him. Like, it seems like between this film and Hell, even up to Short Circuit, doesn't look like the same person. He changed a lot. And then then going from something like Short Circuit to Hackers, or Friends, looks completely different. Totally different person. So I, I didn't recognize him off the bat. We were talking about the character of, is it Eddie? Glazer. I think is no, 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 Eddie, the creeper. Alfred. Alfred, sorry. Yeah. Um, I know there's an Eddie in there somewhere. <laughs> there is. He's he's like he's part of that group. Yeah. With, uh, oh shit. With Dave and uh, Woodstock. Yeah. Because it's those three guys and then Alfred. Mm-hmm. Of course, Alfred says I don't have any friends, but he hangs out with those three guys all the I damn know. time. I know. He's... And everybody picks on me except for those three guys who are constantly trying to help him out. And seem like they're probably the most popular guys <sighs> in that camp. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. But yeah. Uh, so Eddie was part of that group. He was the real tall kid. Okay. 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 But no, we we get Alfred right off the bat, who's supposed to be the person that we sympathize with, except the first thing we see him do is peep into a girl's shower and not like and I'm not I'm not trying to sound any kind of a way here but I don't think it's uncommon for boys to sneak a peek I think all boys at some point have done that but the way he just hovers there and continues to watch her even though it's made apparent that she knows someone's around he continues to stay there and lurk on her well and what she said was i guess even after she had confronted him he didn't leave right he just stayed there 
even after she told him to go. So that's like he's he's a creepy kid. He's a creeper. Yeah. And it's just it's just odd because right after this, that actor would go on to do Fast Times at Ridgemont High where his character was completely different. He was like the romantic and kind of shy and timid and you did root for him in that film. So it was just complete it's almost jarring to me because Fast Times I saw first. So I knew him as as Rat, Ratman, whatever, Ratner. <laughs> so in light of the situation you're talking about, tell me what you think about Todd and Michelle. Okay. Well, I was going to move into Todd. Okay. But my problem here is that right after he's caught doing this, Todd gives him a slap on the wrist and is like, because he's like, what do you want me to do? Cut his balls off? Like, no, nobody's telling you to cut his balls off. Well, unless you're in Texas. But <laughs> it was my daughter. <laughs> but um, no, I absolutely feel like Alfred should have been sent home. Oh, I totally agree. And I don't know how as a character, as a, as a character, that girl didn't want to go home after that. I would have wanted to go home. I don't know that I would have been able to shower again after that. I would have constantly been on edge, I think, you know? So it seems at the very least, he should have been sent home, you know? The least of it. Right. If that's all they were going to do, send him home. We don't need girls feeling unsafe here. And then Michelle, like, she does throw a, a appropriate fit over this, like, as well she should. But then when Todd's like, hey, and says a few words, then she's just like, okay. Yeah, she just totally just lets it go. Yeah, you're a pushover and then lets it go. It's like, no, I think I would have, as a counselor, I would have pursued this and said, no, we need to inform the boy's parents, let them know the situation, and then send them home. Absolutely. So, I don't know. But yeah, the fact that she just let it go real quick. And then Todd, who we know, spoiler alert, was one of the boys who hurt Cropsey at the beginning of the film. He says, well, five years ago, you know, I was balled out at my camp for doing this thing and I got sent home. So we need to give the guy a break. I'm like, so you're saying that (laughs) this thing is not as bad as what you did. So it should just be let go. Right. You didn't almost kill someone. All you did was... I don't know what... It's illegal. Being a peeping Tom, I'm pretty sure is illegal. I just don't know what the actual thing is. But yeah. Since you didn't almost kill someone, you can stay. Yeah. And he sweeps it under the rug too, because apparently he's got a supervisor he reports to. He didn't even tell him. Yeah. Didn't say anything to anybody about it. He just squashed it. Asshole. (laughs) But then, you know, Sleepaway Camp, Camp Arawak... The owners are just allowed to beat children to a pulp, and it's okay. And they know that the cook is completely rapey, and they do nothing. They just laugh about it, like right. you crazy guy. I'm like really glad we've opted to never send our kids to camp. Yeah, well, we don't have those in Texas. I like, think. yeah, we do. Yeah, a lot of my friends went to them. They were really? just church camps. Oh, okay. Not that is nothing that, ever happened that, at those. Is that better or worse? <laughs> I was to say I heard all kinds of stories about church camp too. So. <laughs> No, it's just it's just fucked up. And when you have somebody like, why do I want to keep calling him Arnie? I, I know his name's not Arnie. I it's don't Alfred, know. but I keep wanting to call him Arnie. He looks like an Arnie. <laughs> Wasn't Arnie the cook's name in Sleepaway Camp? I don't know. I think it was. I'd have to go back and look. <laughs> anyway, Alfred. <laughs> but no, they present him after this thing has already taken place. It's kind of like the Kevin Spacey thing. Oh, yeah, I might have come on to this guy or whatever, but I'm gay, so you should feel bad. It's the same thing almost, where this kid's like, yeah, I was peeping on and peeping on this girl, but I'm bullied, so it should be okay. Everybody's picking on me. I don't have any friends. So I'm automatically going, I feel no sympathy for this character. I mean, because 
We've been talking about Shelly from Friday the 13th a little bit. Annoying as fuck. But at no point does he ever do anything egregious such as this. So I can see where the argument can be made. Yeah, there's a lot of us that don't like Shelly because he's fucking annoying. But I can see where other people do like him because they relate to him. Does that make sense? Alfred can't relate. No. Not, not whatsoever. All. And I did look it up and the cook's name was Artie. Artie. Okay. Instead of Arnie. <laughs> So close. You're Maybe I'm close. thinking of the guy from Christine. Ah, who knows? <laughs> but at any rate, there's really no other big characters, I would say, apart I mean, maybe Glazer. I know. I'm surprised you, you can't skip Glazer. I, I forgot about Glazer. Because <laughs> he's the one that everybody hates, but I think you and I both decided he's one of the, he's not the worst one out there. No, he's really not. I'm I'm going to make an argument for Glazer and before everybody clutches their pearls and go, oh, he's the bully. Let me tell you why I had a change of heart on Glazer. So, and it's not to say he's completely without fault because he does have some. However, when we first hear of this girl getting peeped on in the shower, he's the only person in that camp other than Michelle for a minute who jumps to her defense. He's the only one that's like, that's not cool. I'm going to go to this guy and tell him he needs to leave her alone, which I feel like is what any person should do. You know, maybe he went about it in the wrong way, therefore making him the bully, but he was the only one to stand up for her. So, yeah, well... So, yes. Yeah. No, I agree with what you're saying. It's just that, okay, so Alfred tells him I'm getting bullied, right? But apparently this peeping thing is not something that's new for him. So it makes you wonder, like all this time of Glazer, quote unquote, bullying him was a result of him being a little creep, right? Right. And I don't know. I don't want to paint Glazer as a heroic character in this instance. No, 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 no. I said he's, he's realistically, got some he's the only one who truly came to that girl's defense after the fact. Right. And he's like, you leave her alone or I'm going to, I'm going to whoop you. Right. Uh And I can agree with that. (laughs) I just, I mean, nobody was going to stand up for this girl. They were going to sweep it under the rug. Michelle was just like, okay, you're going to take care of it, but you're a pushover. I'm good with that. Okay, bye. And she just let it go. He's the only one who didn't just drop the issue. And I I can appreciate that. Yeah. But this group of boys that are supposed to be our, quote, heroes are the ones that are objectifying the girls, slapping them on the ass, and just being straight creeps. Yeah. Oh, I got the I got the characters mixed up. Eddie was not the tall kid. Eddie is the one who walks up and grabs that girl, and then he's like, "Hey, we're gonna go. We're gonna go do it." Yeah. So yeah, but I got that one wrong. When Glazer approaches the girl he's interested in, he's not rude to her. He's not a creep to her. He's not sexist to her. He's just like, "Hey, hey, pretty girl." Like hell, even you say, "Hey, pretty girl," to our own daughter. Like he was being very sweet. Yeah, but not like that. Not Let's like be that. Clear. Not like no. that. <laughs> No, I like that. But he was being, it seemed like he was being very sweet and genuine to her. He so wasn't coming across as creepy. The way the way that character was written, I get, I get, I don't know. And maybe I'm just imagining this, but he seems to be, he's a guy that he, maybe he's not hyper intelligent or maybe just not very well educated, socially awkward. He doesn't have good people skills. And so a lot of times maybe it just comes out as anger, but not a totally horrible person. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't know how to deal with maybe his emotions and interact with other people. So he kind of comes off that way. But for the most part, he's pretty respectful of the ladies, or at least that one. Seems like it was. And, and for, for crying out loud, like, dude asked for rubbers. So when he, when and if, because it seemed like this was consensual on the girl's part, when and if is going to happen, he wanted them to be safe. He also wanted it lubricated for her he was, comfort. He was all about her comfort. Yes. So I'm just saying. Okay. Well, let's. <laughs> but that being said. So moving on to the next topic. No. 
<laughs> no. But that being said, there is a little bit of back and forth between there is a little bit of back and forth between him and the girl that he's interested in where he does try to come on to her a couple times and she seems a bit apprehensive, but you you get a feeling like this there's she's not outright not interested. It's like she's messing with him a little bit. There's a clear difference, especially in the difference between this scene and another scene later where the girl's outright telling the guy no. Well, one scene that Glazer has with this girl and you hear it and there was a minute there where I was like, don't you do it, where she's like, no, no, I don't want to do it right here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she wasn't objecting because she didn't want to have sex. She was objecting to the location where they want, where he wanted to have sex. Yes. Because so, she tells him maybe later. Yeah. So it so, was consensual at the end of the yes. day. Yes. And then, ultimately, she wasn't even happy with it. So. <laughs> well, to be fair, he was a minute man. <laughs> Probably slightly less than a minute. <laughs> yeah. But Eddie, the guy uh, later, the girl actively tells him no and is pushing him off. And I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I watched a review where the guy said basically she was kind of asking for it. Because if the guy was getting in the water nude, what did she think he, he wanted? People can skinny dip without it going there. You know, she wasn't like juggling her titties at him or, you know, whatever. It wasn't like that. So the first time she said no, that should have been no. Well, she she kept herself in that situation, though. And I'm not I'm not excusing anybody's behavior here. No means no, 100%. But what struck me, and it's the writing, not this is not real life. The, the part that killed me about that particular scene you're talking about with Eddie is the way it was written. Because... Clearly, she wanted the date part, but not the sex part. And I feel like a real woman, when they realized that he was, that's not what he wanted, would have just gotten himself out of the situation, right? Because he, I don't know, he was trying to be a smooth talker and all this other shit, but then we get really aggressive about it. And I don't know, I just don't feel like, I don't feel like you would have stuck around for something like that. You would have just been like, all right, fuck you, I'm out, you know? Well, being a guy, you being a guy, I don't feel like you understand the point of view where a girl doesn't want to make a guy mad. She doesn't want to feel like she's rejecting him. So more often than not, we are peer pressured into doing stuff, even though we really don't want to. You're right. I don't. Well, because I don't. Yeah. Like you either want to do something or I don't. And if I don't, I'm like, all right, fuck you guys, I'm out. And that's it. Like, you tell I'm, a girl, fuck you guys, I'm out. No, she... but you know what I mean. I don't know. Peer pressure doesn't work on me very well. Oh, 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 oh. I thought that's, you were, I thought you were point. saying if a girl didn't want to have sex no, with you, no, you're no, like, no. fuck you, I'm out. I'm like, what? No, no, no. No, I'm talking <laughs> about peer pressure in general just is not really a problem for me because I don't really care what they think that much. Right. So, you know, if they're going to do something I don't want to do, I'm like, peace, y'all go do your thing. I'm not going to go do that. Or if I want to go do something nobody else does, like, cool, I'll go by myself. Bye. Yeah. So I don't, I have a hard time relating to that part of it where somebody is like feeling so pressured by peer pressure that now I have to go do this or put myself in a dangerous situation because that's just not my personality to do that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I just, as someone who has lived through it, getting a little personal for a minute, as somebody who has lived through a sexual assault, it is very difficult to feel like you don't want to do something but at the same time but you have a good heart so at the same time you don't want this person to i don't know you're you're afraid of what's going to happen if you say no i guess it's 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 a very tough thing to go through but um that pretty much rounds out our characters i feel like everybody else is secondary i mean like we've said you got holly hunter in there and she's just doing little bit things and then we have like a character named tiger who's got haircut she's got big of, hair that girl that you know the olympian carrot top <laughs> no. 
Oh. The Olympian from the 80s, the gymnast. What was her oh, name? Oh, shit. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I had that horrible bowl cut. But then again, I had that bowl cut in I think, fourth grade. I, I so. think every girl had that bowl cut. <laughs> yeah, I had it. My mom made me and my sister suffer with that haircut. So. Damn it. Now, I don't know who that, who that gymnast's name was. And she was like, either. she was on fucking Wheaties boxes. Yeah. Yeah, well, as long as you know who I mean, then yeah, it's no, okay. No, but nobody else does because they weren't. I'm sh- I'm sure they do. All right. <laughs> That's, I don't know. Well, if you know her name, you'll have to let us know because I have no <laughs> I, idea now. Yeah. I don't feel like I need to get into the characters. There's nobody we, really else of consequence, We kind of agree. Like. We kind yeah. of have the same opinion on all these characters. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they had a big cast, and that's the reason I didn't go through the full cast list. Like, there was a really big cast, and even Holly Hunter said that she was basically an extra in this movie. I think she had, like, one line. Yeah. So So it was a huge cast, but they didn't utilize all of them. Right. Um, And I believe that we've we've pretty much already touched on the practical effects, but what did you think of Cropsey's look overall? Well, I know Tom Savini was not happy with it because apparently they only gave him three days to get the mask worked up and three days was not enough. If that's opinion. what he did in three days, though. I mean, what if they'd given him the whole week? Right. Like, I'd probably have nightmares about that shit if they'd given him a whole week. Yeah. So, I mean, he did probably more in three days than most people could in three months, but. I'd be like, three days? Three days? I know, right? <laughs> and would have come out with something. It wasn't bad. Not looking like that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. So. It, it's not the best, but it's also not the worst. No, so, no, no, no. For sure. And, and they've said um, the raft scene is like the, I mean, we we can meld practical effects and kills yeah. into this one uh, conversation because I feel like you and I both share favorite kill and that being the raft scene. Yeah, that's multiple kills, but I still lump it all. Um, to me, there it's all. I don't know, it's not all the same kill, but it's all. It, it takes what fifteen seconds for him mm-hmm. to kill four or five people, and I feel like I don't know that shot from a from a cine- cinematography standpoint, where it's him like from the back raising the open shears over his head he's, before he stabs down. Yeah, he's silhouetted, but like, the sun is bright shit, above that's awesome. him. Yeah, and then the there's a glint on the shears from the sun. It's just yeah, like you said, it's beautiful. It's, it's an amazing uh, shot. And then it's just gore extravaganza from that point. A couple of the reviews that we were able to find, we had some people complain about those, that they weren't great necessarily. Like the forehead chop. I thought the forehead chop was good. I thought that was good when, uh, oh, damn, Woodstock. (laughs) When he gets his fingers cut off. That's the only one that I feel looks a little iffy. Well, that that Eddie's kill. You can't see the toothpick sticking out, though. No, but the hand does look very fake. <laughs> it does, but... And with Eddie's still... kill, you can clearly see that his head was sticking out of the board. His and... neck is a little bit too long. <laughs> it's comically long. <laughs> yeah. It's like he was a human giraffe. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's still, like, I remember the first time I ever watched that scene just going, holy fuck! <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one Something that I hadn't really honestly noticed until we watched one of those other videos was with regard to the cinematography they shot basically the whole movie during the day i think if they had some nighttime shots wouldn't have been a bad deal necessarily well they did they just weren't um like friday the 13th they do a lot of their shooting kind of at night and sometimes it's really hard to tell what's going on so uh, i have mixed feelings about that it would have been nice to mix it up a little bit you know get some some nighttime shots they did have some. The problem was they couldn't decide what time of day it was. And this could have been, again, fault of the editing, where you'd have a shot that was at night. But then in the very next shot in the same scene, 
it would look like it was early morning or afternoon. And then in the next shot, it would be right back to being nighttime. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. When Glazer goes to steal the matches. Yes. Because he's going to build him and his girlfriend a campfire. And mm-hmm. it's it's obviously after sunset. So he finds the matches, goes back, and next thing you know, he's walking through the woods. And it's, I don't know what, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think they bothered. I know that there's some directors out there that are real sticklers for you know when we shoot this shot, if we if we wrap today, we have to come back at the same time tomorrow, make sure the lighting's the same. It's so it's, it'll all blend. But clearly, other directors are not that detailed. Yeah, you end up you do end up with some weird shit. But I um, I did also enjoy Glazer's kill. Just because the camera work, and I believe what they did was when he stabs him with the shears, I guess they had a camera mounted on top of said shears, and he's being lifted in the air and moving slowly toward the tree that he's about to impale him in. And it's just, you see it from the killer's perspective, but it's just slowly gliding over to the tree. I don't know how to... Yeah, they, I don't they know had how built to, like a frame or something like that and sort of dollied him over. Yeah, I don't know how to explain to that, that, but it's it was but a really cool shot, too. It is pretty good. And they end up doing, um, at one point, they do a transition that's just a red screen, like blood. And they that, do that a couple times. I thought that was kind of neat. I did, too. Um, I know you had asked me if that was anything I'd ever seen in any Argento films, and I was like, I don't think so. Well, I just know that in those, red is a significant color. Like, anytime red mm-hmm. shows up, it's meaningful in some way, right? Like, it's blood, or if it's, I don't know. I think it's supposed to mean something, and so I, had, I, it, I don't know about it. I, you know what? I'm just going to stop talking. Move on. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Let's go. <laughs> don't talk about things you don't know anything about. Yeah, that's, that's what I just did. That, I just no, no, I'm talking. saying that's literally what we're probably being told on the other side. <laughs> You're probably right. But Stop that's talking cool. about shit you don't understand. That you, yeah, so we're moving on. <laughs> we're moving on. <laughs> what do you think about the score? Um, What score? So there's one scene, and I, I don't even remember what it was, but I'm listening to music and I'm like, this shit belongs in Never Ending Story. Oh yeah, right, right, right. And it the music's not good. I'm just it's not good. It's all synth stuff and it didn't make sense to me for a lot of things. They also use a banjo thing too that's very reminiscent of Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. I don't know. The score sucked. Let's but, let's keep going. <laughs> but speaking of Friday the thirteenth, there was one scene that I I don't want to say that I found it egregious or that they outright copied it because there's some debate on which film came out first, Friday the 13th or this film. And the thing is, is if this is 81, this would have put it directly in tandem with Friday the 13th Part 2, not the first one. But they're claiming that this script was written before the first Friday the 13th ever came out. However, there is a campfire scene at some point in this movie where he's telling the legend of Cropsey. And again, going back to, if you're the person who committed this act, why are you reliving it like it's one of your good old days stories? It's almost like he was bragging about it a yes. Without so. coming out right out and saying it was him. Yeah. But yeah, that was lifted 100% from Friday the 13th. Part two. Part two. Because we were sitting there watching that scene. And the first thing I did was, I don't want to scare anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. And isn't that exactly what he said? I'm going to give it to you straight about something? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and it, I just went, Yeah, they Whoa. Had, 
They and had then, claimed that the script had been written and optioned, and they'd already looked at making yeah. a movie before Friday the 13th Part 2 was ever done, and I just I got to call bullshit on that. And then you even had Eddie jump out with a mask on, same way as, and I'm not recalling his name right now, but the same way the character did in Friday the 13th Part 2 with the mask and the spear, like, eesh, yeah. But I think... Ultimately, I I know it sounds like we've been bitching about this movie for a while more than we've been praising it. Like I said, it's a mixed bag for me. There are things I love about it. I love some of the cinematography choices. I really like some of the characters. I really, really like the kills. And for me, when you're... I know somebody out there is questioning, how do you say that you are a lover of slashers when all you do is complain about the TNA... And this and that. The TNA is literally the only thing I complain about. Everything else about the slasher genre, I love. It's the only medium that you can go into and see these inventive kills and gore. That's why at the end of the day, I still love them. Having said that, it doesn't mean that every slasher is good. It doesn't mean that there's not some films that are troublesome. Um, I'm reading a great book right now that was uh, given to me by my good friend Allison called Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Slasher. So I'm not going to say that that is influencing my decision at all because I've barely gotten into it. So I just have a hard time with some of the characters being our heroes that should not be our heroes and people who should have lived not because the poor girl that was almost assaulted in the river gets killed immediately after almost like she's getting punished for not fucking that guy she gets killed before he does yeah and that's just bullshit it is see i have a totally different opinion on that when i see stuff like that in movies i immediately think about my girls so that's what pisses me off and everybody's going okay we get it you got daughters you've told us a hundred times i don't care (laughs) be mad about it i love those girls as a matter of fact i cried a little bit last night at isabel's recital yeah it made me so sad she was all up there she was they did great but i don't know she was up there doing her little dance with and then they had this like sad song and it got me so anyway anyway that's enough about me i know you were going somewhere with uh how <laughs> i you was and then i lost it nudity <laughs> and women and slashers because you were talking about your book not the book that you wrote because obviously you didn't write the book <laughs> no. but no, I I had a point and I lost it somehow. I hate when that fucking happens. But no, I think it's just because sometimes in reviews I get aggravated with guys just going on and on and on about tits. It's like, that's that's not our main focus. Yes, it's a trope that we have naked women. But a movie that comes to mind for me that we're going to be covering very quickly is Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. All I've ever heard about is how that is the sleaziest film in the Friday the 13th franchise. And I could not disagree more because... I would say there's probably less boob on screen in terms of time than there was in this movie. Yes. Because yes, you get uh, uh, Deborah Voorhees who has, I mean, I'm not going to front here, has an incredible rack in that film, but we stay on it for seconds and then it's gone. And then we have followed up with one of the best kills in the franchise. We have a girl who flashes her boobs in a diner before she's getting ready to go out on a date. It's showtime. And again, that's seconds long. But this guy is constantly getting told he's a sleaze, he's a sleaze, he's a sleaze. And I never got that. Those scenes didn't offend me to the slightest. But you get like the shower scene in this film where they're lingering on this girl for ages. And you were like, did she shampoo her hair three times? 
times. I think she did because they, the way it's cut together, it's like she puts shampoo in her hair and then she rinses it out. And then you go back and she's got shampoo in her hair again and she rinses it out. I don't know. I, were they timing it? I don't, I don't know. And then, yeah, we're, um, uh, the girl that was with Eddie and she's like running through the forest. Wet Full frontal, and naked everything. Yeah. For it's way like- too long. It feels very exploitative, and I know that the the slasher genre as a whole can feel like an exploitation genre, but it just feels too voyeuristic to the point of uncomfortable. Not to mention, there's another thing, and we'll address it with Friday the 13th Part 2. These girls seem like they might be underage, so there's that level level of creepiness to it, too. Yeah. So, I think... The 80s were wild, man! Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's I all think Reagan's me, fault. <laughs> don't let my mother hear you say I that. I know. She'll slap me. I actually had that argument with her not that long ago where I tried um, to tell her that Reagan slapped women around and she looked at me like, who told you this lie? Like, no, it's documented. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. You can look it up. I don't remember where I heard that. Anyway. Nobody listening to this podcast. No. But no, I guess to that to that end, I uh, this, this is going to sound weird coming from a guy. I'm okay with the nudity in um, slashers I'm okay, generally. Yeah. I'm okay with it, but it all depends on how it's presented. Yes, right. Yes, like most of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, it's a flash and then it's over. Right. It's it's one scene and it's short. Mm-hmm. They it's sort of an in passing kind of thing. But like in this movie, and I'm not going to do it, <laughs> but. The remake of My Bloody Valentine. Where the one you went off on last time. I did. God, we're going to have to cover another one of his movies now. Jason X. Oh, right. Yeah, he wrote that one too. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Anyway. I think we've already given Todd Farmer a lot of shit so far. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm not done yet. Anyway, I think the, the way it's presented has a lot to do with whether or not I can deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If it's just a flash, I'm okay. But when they've got this poor young lady on screen and it's like, okay, you're just going to stand here naked for four or five minutes while we film you, that's that feels not okay to me. It's I just, don't know. like I said, it just felt uncomfortable. Maybe they're okay with it. Like maybe they signed up for it and they're good with it and they accept it and that's their prerogative. But well, I don't know. The, uh, it does. Like it a, feels I, extremely exploitative yeah. in, in a film when they do it like that. I said, we, and, and again, we talked about that on my, my Blood of Valentine. If, if the girl signed on for that and she was of legal consenting age and, and said properly informed of what it was going informed. to be before yes. they signed up for and it. And she was still good with it. Cool. Kudos. I'm 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 good if you're good. Right. It's not it's none of my business or yeah. whatever. I'm just telling you guys as a viewer how it made me feel and it just made me feel gross. Yeah. I mean at some point you're watching like, yeah, that's enough. Okay, yeah. that's like, enough. We stop. need to Please we need stop. to move on. I get it. You're so just, anyway. Know. But shower time is private. It really is. <laughs> All right, so we, we've covered the story. We talked about kills sort of throughout. I think the next thing we normally cover here is funny. Mm-hmm. And I know people are waiting for me to go, oh, man, that Seinfeld guy. <laughs> I, he was so funny. I, I didn't get that. I didn't really. There wasn't. And that's the one of the other things about this movie. I didn't find any comic relief here. I think he was supposed to be the comic relief. And like I said, maybe clearly, he's just not funny. Clearly the guy, your people are going to slap. Like They'll have to find me first. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a few of our listeners know where we live, so... Okay, well, I didn't tell them that, so that must be your fault. But, no, like I said, clearly you could see it there, that he had good comedic timing. Like I said, he had a certain amount of charisma, and you could tell that this guy may may go somewhere. Yeah, he's, he the, did, jo- he's the jokes guy. I mean, in this movie, yeah, yeah, I got that. 
it just didn't work for me personally. But. Yeah, I don't know. And then I guess the memorable stuff, we've kind of covered that too. Like I think for both of us, it's the raft again. Yes. Like that's the thing I'm going to remember about that's this That's why I said, if, if it weren't for this raft scene, I don't know that this would have stuck in my memory the way it has. I've got a feeling that that raft scene is responsible for probably 65% of the 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's that's glorious. That's pretty, it's good. <laughs> What were your likes and dislikes overall? Uh, Give us a quick recap. I believe that's basically what this entire review has been, but it's okay. Hey, you made the agenda. I'm just reading it off. (laughs) Okay, so very quickly, what I like about this film is obviously the practical effects, the gore. Not much beyond that, I hate to say. Dislikes, I think that the story, again, was very thin. The characters were very thin. It feels very exploitative. Um, I don't like that... Our characters didn't suffer the consequences that they should have faced and instead were turned into the heroes. There was nobody I felt like I could sympathize with except for the people who didn't deserve what they got. And that that's pretty much it. Yeah. You? No, I'm, I totally agree. Um, I feel like some of the cinematography was great. Practical effects were great. The story was weak at best. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Exploitative writing for sure. But I really, I really did have a problem too with the fact that the peeping Tom and the attempted murderer are the two heroes that survived all the way to the end. I mean, in a Friday the 13th movie, they would have died first. Both of them. Jason would have straight up come up there and got that ass. Right. It just, but in this movie, for whatever reason, they didn't just survive. They killed Cropsey. And that just feels wrong to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. As long as you don't get caught, you can still be the hero at the end. I I don't like that. So. Who wrote that movie? Gee. Yeah, I know. (laughs) However, I feel like you still have to give credit to all the other people that worked on this movie. Absolutely. Like Tom Savini and the actors and actresses that put up with all this shit. Mm -hmm. Because whether it's, regardless, regardless of what it is, they all showed up and worked hard to do this. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you should still give them credit for that. These were still people that were providing for their families. Well, even... uh, Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Even she said in an interview that she was excited about this because it was the first serious paying job that she'd had and she could actually pay her rent. I mean, it it did help people. I I don't know. I just hate to penalize all of them over one person. So I still think it's worth a watch, but you need definitely would watch it um, understanding what kind of content, what kind of ride you're in for. (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, but it, it's still worth a watch. What do you think? Watch Again, it or don't if, watch if it. If you're if you're a gorehound, I say, and in, in a Tom Savini fan, I say absolutely, absolutely, check it out. So that's that's it. <laughs> You know, a minute ago when you were like, I had a point and I was going somewhere and then I suddenly <laughs> lost it. That just happened. So next week. That wraps up May though. So we're, we're going into June and yes. we'll really get into summer camp. Yes. Like for real. But before we get there, come come back with me over here on this side. I'm not. I'm already gone. <laughs> before we get there, uh, look forward to an episode of Pillow Talk that'll be coming next week or, or not next week. It'll be along this week with this same review. This uh, pillow talk will be out Thursday. This will be out Friday. Um, so look forward to that first. And then, yes, we will be moving on to Camp Blood for the rest of the summer, which will feature, we'll start with Friday the 13th, part two. Yep, you lost it. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We'll go from part two we'll all, all the way, the way to, to Jason X. So, oh, yeah. Glorious days. <laughs> All the way to Jason And I, I I, fucking love it. I'm so excited. I'm looking excited. forward to most of them, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there's a few of them that I've seen more than others. Like, I've seen, I think Jason Goes to Hell a lot because you've watched that one a lot. Because I love it. Sorry about that. <laughs> 
but I think at some point when we get done, we should rank these movies. Sort yeah, of just yeah. a friendly competition between us. Yeah, I believe that is going to be a Pillow Talk episode. So, As a matter of fact, we could do two. We could have one Pillow Talk where we talk about our, our ranking system, and then we could have another where we rate the kills. We could do that. Yeah. Shit, I'm going to have to like stay awake and take notes. Most most people do top 10 rankings. Since we got to fill up the whole episode of Pillow Talk, we could do a top 20 ranking. Oh, God. <laughs> They're so long. That's hey, so we many. can be we can be making the notes as we're watching the movies. Yeah, like. but you know you know how well we stay on topic, right? <laughs> like I'm pretty sure if it was just top five, it would still we could kill an hour and a half. But anyway, that's true. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll find out. Yeah. But I'm excited nonetheless. We'll do uh, rock paper scissors until there's a winner, and then <laughs> you'll get what you get. <laughs> so that pretty much does it for us. We'll we hope s- you still like us after this episode. Of course they do. Be like a bunch of goddamn liberals and never listen to the show again. Oh, don't be like that. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, guys. Quick reminder to find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as SpookyMom83 and Travis on Twitter as TravisL80. And find our official page on Instagram and Twitter at Dead and Married. If you have any questions or suggestions for films or otherwise, feel free to email us at deadandmarried at yahoo.com. Later.